it's time to kickstart your confidence. In this podcast, you will hear open and honest interviews with business owners and like-minded people who have struggled and then how they've overcome their own issues. Listen to their real-life struggles and personal accounts of how they've changed their lives and continue to do so on a daily basis. Get rid of stress, own your own space and thoughts. It's time to take control, build your personal health and well-being improve as you travel with us on this journey. And now your host, former British champion, owner and chief instructor of Hastings Kickboxing Academy and third Dan Black Belt, Carl Denning. Perfect. So today I'm here with the, uh, the famous Richard Canton from Canton Martial Arts. Welcome to the Kickstart Your Confidence podcast. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, really, really good. Cheers, buddy. Thanks ever so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so me and Rich have just done a two hour, two and a half hour meeting this morning on our mastermind, and we've 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 gone through some really important stuff. Um, before we start, can you just everyone who's watching that that if they don't know you, can you just explain who you are and what you do? Yep. So uh, my name's Richard Canton. I've been training martial arts for about thirty years, coming up to thirty years now. Um, started in training in Australia. And then in 1995, I turned professional and quit my daytime job, which was a carpenter, and open and started teaching and training karate full time. And then in 1997, I came over to England to teach and train karate full time, um, compete and all that kind of stuff. And ever since then, it just sort of snowballed really, and people and just didn't go home. I had a good club, had a good following, had good people. You know, met my wife, had a beautiful daughter. Next thing you know, you're here for 20-something years, whatever it might be, 23 years, and you think, oh, that wasn't the plan. I didn't know what the plan was, if I was going to go back to Australia or not. I'm not going to now. Um, And, yeah, so, you know, in Canton Martial Arts itself, I was working with a different company back then, and I started Canton Martial Arts in 2002. We're primarily a uh, karate jitsu or an applied karate school. But we also teach ladies kickboxing and Muay Thai and we have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a few things. But I would say 90% of what we do is applied karate or karate jutsu school. Nice. Quite a, quite a little resume there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two things I want to mention when you said that, I was sort of chuckling to myself, is the dates that you said are pretty much identical. I started teaching in 97, 98, which is when you moved across. Um, and... Ah, oh, there was no. There's another thing you said. Um, Naps completely gone. But t- two dates that you said, and I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly when I started uh, doing martial arts for thirty years." There you go. That was the other one. So I've been doing it twenty nine years, and I started teaching when I was seventeen, eighteen, so ninety seven, ninety eight. So that's um, that's pretty cool. Uh, and you've not left. <laughs> there's obviously something about East Sussex you like. Yeah, and the thing is, my my, my when I first started, my main club was in uh, Medway Towns. That's where I know Colin Payne from. Yeah. Um, and uh, throughout Kent, we were all throughout Kent. Um, well, I had a really, really big club up there and through Medway and Maidstone, we had like five, six hundred. We had you know, big, 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 big numbers up there. Um, and then, but my wife, she's from Eastbourne and we had our daughter and we were living in uh, Medway Towns. And I know you know what the Medway Towns is like. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. But then we would come and visit Eastbourne, and Eastbourne's a seaside town, and you sit and think, what the hell are we living in Medway for when we can be living on the seaside? Uh, yeah. And Eastbourne was just that little bit nice, a little bit quieter. And we, we had the club running down here very, very small, and I just made a business decision to move my whole epicentre and all that kind of stuff down to Eastbourne because yeah. it was nicer, and the, the club sort of pretty much folded up up in Medway and Maidstone and stuff like that anyway. Some places are still open up that way with us. Um, yeah. But it was just a, a family decision and a personal decision. It was time to get out of the Medway and time to come down to the coast and have a bit more of a relaxed, easy living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love living on the seaside. You know, we've, Hastings isn't the best town on the planet and so many people run it down, but I love it. I love it, you know. Our, our peers now know not really appear, but... When you compare it to Eastbourne and Brighton, obviously Eastbourne's better than Hastings and Brighton's better than Eastbourne, but at the same price, the cost reflects. I, lo- I love living on the seafront. I love having the coast and the sea and, you know, we've got the main road out. You know, I'd hate to live in sort of central London or 
places like that. So yeah, and I, I, I'm the same. I when I first moved over here, uh, funny story for you. I was living in Croydon and uh, I was helping. So there was uh, nine of us come over, four lads set up. No, eight of uh, yeah, seven of us uh, set up. Four guys set up, and I was, so I was helping one of the lads set up up in um, Croydon. And we were right next to East Croydon Station. I don't know if you know East Croydon Station. You were basically, you know, house, 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 house. People living above stairs, people downstairs. And yeah. and it was and it was just, and I was working in and around Purley and Croydon and stuff like that. And Oh, Purley, Purley, why? Yeah, no, no, well. And so that was our first mojo that we opened up was up in Purley. Mm. And so I was helping him set up classes and stuff like that there, and it was just awful. And then, so my manager said to me, he goes, right, it's time for you to set up. You can set up in north, uh, north, uh, west London, so up near Wembley area and all Boreham Wood and sort of all that kind of stuff, all there's Kent. So I drove around northwest London, and it was horrendous, trying to drive in and around the 406 and trying to look at places and and looking at houses, and it's just like, oh, God, this is is bad. And I remember it to this day. I was on the A2 driving out towards Kent, and I literally went under the M25 just before Blue World, under the M25, and there was a field there and a field there and trees. And I went, yeah, he'll do. And I, yeah. I, and I, and I drove into Gravesend, and, uh, and I was chatting to people at the pub and stuff like that because I thought if anyone's going to talk, it's going to be at the pub. That's where Australians go to chat. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a completely different feel. And I rang my manager and so I said, yeah, I want to set up a club here in, um, here in, the, here in, uh, in Kent. And that was sort of why I ended up more Kent way rather than London way because it was just so <sighs> congested. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, and I, I'm not, I, I didn't really want that really. No, and uh, probably a good mo- well, I'd say probably one hundred percent not a good move on that on your part there. I'd say. Yeah, it's like you and I have probably have spoken about before. If you were doing what you were doing, and I was doing what I was doing in London, and we had our own gyms in London, we'd be par- charging one hundred and twenty pound a month. You'd have this massive centre. You'd probably have two billion people coming to your centre to do it, but because you've got that condensity of people. But your quality of life would just be horrendous, I think. And I think yeah. Yeah, I would much prefer a pay cut for a quality of life increase than um, that, than than living there in that in that epicentrum, but that bubble. I think. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because again, as as you get older and mature, you realise that quality of life is just as important, if not more important, than money. I left BT, took a massive pay cut to to do this. So quality of life less stress in ways um overworking like i mean i was working like 106 107 hour weeks like insane and you know the, the my my wife my friends were like you're gonna kill yourself you're gonna burn out you're gonna have to give at some point and obviously eventually i did and i'm really glad i did um but yeah quality of life you can have all the money in the world if you're that lucky but if you have no life what's the point Exactly that, and I, and I think that's important. And I, and I like we were talking about on that phone call this morning. There was one lad saying, "Oh, you know, I've got to be careful about burning out." And one thing we're going to talk about in COVID probably later is I see saw so many instructors give, give, giving and burning themselves out. You know, the one thing that you know, and and, and I've done that in the past where I've been, you know, teaching from twelve o'clock in the afternoon to ten o'clock at night, six days, seven days a week, and you burn out. And you think, yeah, I don't want to do martial arts anymore. Yet you actually end up hating going to the gym. Um, yeah. And I think having that, oh, hang on a second here. I, yeah, this is meant to be my hobby. I, I, I'm meant to be enjoying this. And so it's like, right, I'm having that day off and that day off, and I'm going to only have those set hours. Having that probably taken a pay cut, but like you say, increasing my life and my own mental health um, it, it has been massive, really. Yeah. In all fairness, that's something I still need to learn. Um, I'm still, I'm not burning out, but again, I'm filling my days up more and more to, to say, keep everyone else happy. But, you know, all my members are like, can we get a PT? Can we do this? Can we do this? So I'm like, yeah, of course, again, of course, And I'm starting to become aware that I'm doing it again. Um, you know, so I, I need to kind of take note of that myself and say, you need some time for yourself. You need to have... I, look, I even say to my staff, it's like, no, you can't work today. You have to have a day off. And it's yeah. on their holiday. It's on their holidays. No, no, you must go on holiday. 
I don't care. You just can't stay at home. I don't care if you go to your auntie's place in a different town five miles away, but just go and have that downtime. Go and, it's like, you know, one thing annoys me with parents with their kids when they're studying for exams, if they've got GCSEs coming up or they get their GCSEs so they won't be in class for five weeks. It's just like, no, you're missing the point. They need yeah. to come to class to have that release so that they can you know, continue to, if you stick them in that bubble for five weeks, they could crack. Yeah, you yeah. need you'll bring them in two to three times a week for forty-five minutes, so they can have that. Oh, I... oh, yeah, that release. And what, like you say, if you include the travelling time, an hour and a half, three times a week, four and a half hours out of their week to get that relax and that reset is it's so important, so important. It's like me. So I've started playing golf now. So um, twice a week, it's in my diary. Um, and I literally, and, and I love that because that's four to four and a half hours. I literally get to the golf course. I yeah. turn the phone off and I don't look at the phone again until I get back in the car. And I just, and I, and I, I use that as thinking time, chatting with my friends or just downtime. I don't look at emails. I don't answer calls. I don't worry about the gym. I just, and I think that's been having that time off has been, yeah, I, I think he's probably just as important as me being at the dojo. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I do the same with horse riding. Um, again, I don't do as much as I should, and I keep kicking myself to do more, but it's really difficult to answer a phone when you're on the back of a horse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll turn it off, leave it in the car, um, and then go and ride. But, yeah, obviously they, they shut for a little while because of coronavirus. Um, and they're back open, so I went back last week, and I'm going back next week. But yeah, I, want, I do want a bit more. For me, golf ruins a good walk, personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just not, uh, the thing I like about golf. It has nothing to do with martial arts or anything else. Yeah, because everything like like my other hobby is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, or, or going to the gym. But realistically, they're to do with work. I go yeah. to the gym to stay fit, so I can keep training and, and all that kind of stuff. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I enjoy the sport, but realistically, it's still got to do with what we do. Golf, yeah. and, and I'm pretty rubbish at golf, which is great. And, and so I'm rubbish at golf. I lose balls every single time I play. You know, I'm swearing yeah. and carrying on. And I love that because um, I'm rubbish and it's got apps. I'm no, never going to be able to transfer that to that and think yeah i could turn this into a little mini business or how could i how could i make money yeah. from this and it's just like <laughs> it's never gonna happen <laughs> never yeah. gonna happen. Uh, the, the thing i took was you know since i was like 13 when i since i started kickboxing and was getting good at it i've always been coaching always been teaching my whole life and for the first time in a very long time i'm now the student and someone's teaching me and that that's so nice to rather than because even when I'm training, even if I'm sparring, I'm still watching the class. I'm still trying to teach someone whilst punch them. Whereas this, there's no, you know, say trot or canter or you know, lead, lead, leading shoulder in and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not thinking, well, how would that make a jab? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's good. And I think especially like people, because our hobby has become our job. So we've, yeah. needed, to find that, we've needed to find a new hobby. And as much yeah. as they say, oh, yeah, it's all right for you, you get to do your hobby for a living. But we still work 60-hour weeks. Yeah. You know, we, oh, we, still, <laughs> that's a quiet yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we're still, we're still at work. We're still doing all the paperwork and all the bits and pieces and all the stuff that needs to be done as well as going to teach. And so and I think we just now needed to find a different hobby to be able to, to have our release, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I've got a few questions around the coronavirus that we're going to go into. And before I start, I just want to say to like, everyone who's watching or listening that over the last, I'd probably say six months, me and, me and Richard have been talking a lot more. And we, we're definitely from the same cloth. We have the same thought process. We've got the same mindset and mentality around what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to ask Richard his thoughts. And I know that I will agree with nine out of 10 of them. So I'm not going to sit there and then give my thought because my thought will pretty much be identical to yours. So, yeah, let, let's start. So how have you coped with a corona? Like, over the last 12 weeks, how have you been finding it? How have you been coping? So 
when it first started, we thought it was going to be three weeks. So um, we, me and my team, we basically did uh, we we did pre-records and sent them all out to everyone on YouTube and Facebook Live, thinking, "There you go, there's your three weeks." Yeah. And and everyone's like, "Oh, right." Next thing you know, oh, it's going to be until May. Oh, okay, crap. Okay, let's we better get onto Zoom. So after three weeks of being on Facebook Lives and pre-records, we went onto Zoom. And uh, from then, we've just done Zoom all the way up until now, which has been great. Don't get me wrong. I think, it's, I think Zoom has, has saved many martial arts clubs out there and many martial arts students out there. You know, I, I think it's been a bit of a godsend. At the same time, it's not ideal. It's not great. And I think it's beginning to lose its luster a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's been a fantastic, a fantastic thing. Stop personally, yeah, personally, um, the first two to three, four weeks I was struggling because uh, we went through the, 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 the last recession, 2008, 2010, and lost half our members. You know, now you come to 2020, you're losing half your members again. And you're like, yeah. man, again. You know, and you do start to sit there and you think about, oh, I've, you know, the, the last three years of growth and getting everything and all the students and all these people, you're getting them to where you want them and then everyone's just gone, and which is no fault of their own. A lot of people lost their jobs, were scared and all that kind of stuff. And I think, it, 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 yeah, and I even said this to one of my friends, is if someone had offered me a job, a well-paid job on a, or, or at that time, I might have folded the club and gone to that job. Yeah, wow. it was just, yeah, it was just like, yeah, I'm done. I, yeah, I'm done rebuilding and building and trying to find different things and stuff like that. But I, I think then you just sort of snap out of it, you know, and, um, and uh, you realise, no, I wouldn't be able to cope in a normal job. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would, I would hate it. And I'm um, talking to the mastermind guys and stuff like that. And it was just like, okay, I need to switch back on. And yeah. so I think for three or four weeks, I wallowed in pity and wallowed in and folk. And one thing I say to my team, I think it was very prevalent with myself is I was focusing on what I lost and not what I had. Yeah. And, and I think, and, and then I made that my, that switch of look, hang on a second here. I've still got, xyz in my life this is all good and from that day i you know i've got it written in my diary from that actual day i was like i, I in my mind switched 180 degrees you know and uh and since then i've just been able to do so much more you know like you and i have both got books coming out which is which is fantastic so we've been able to work on that you know we've yeah. been able to do that you know you and i have spoken about our online academy stuff so we've been able been able to do that um, I personally think our club is going to come out stronger than we've ever been because yeah. of this. Um, it's brought everyone closer. Me and my instructor team have been able to work on getting things and pro systems and processes in place. We've been able to change the class schedules around to how we want them. Um, and I think that is, it's been a bit of a, been a good thing for that particular reason. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it started off as a big negative, but we've turned it into a positive. But at the yeah. same time, it's still not a great thing when you've seen so many people leave and potentially not come back because, you know, it's like if someone's not done something for four months, they're like, yeah, yeah, I don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah, and, have and I missed it? Did I need it? Yeah, and yeah. some of the kids had real potential. You know, it was like you, some of the kids have got real potential and you just see that kid's gone because mum or dad may have lost their job at all and you can't help that. And you just yeah. sit there and think, you know what, that kid, he would have been really, really good, but it is what it is, you know. So but yeah, that, I think that's probably been my, my COVID experience up to date, I think, really, in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, and exactly what you said, it's really scary. If If you do something wrong, you can accept it. If you're driving a car and you do something wrong and you crash, you can go, well, that was my fault. But like you say, we've been forced to close. Um, it's no one's fault. We can't blame anyone. It's a virus. Like it's, you know, it's took on the world. So we're, you know, it's millions of people are in the same position. But it's hard to take as a business owner and as a, as a martial artist for someone else to go, right, you're closed and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and, and that's it. And people just think, oh, that's all right. I'm still... But, but 
you know, we're still paying our staff. I still have to pay rent where I am here in Eastbourne. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, my land. Insurances are still going. uh, Insurances are still going. Still have to pay rent. Still have to pay my staff. Still have to do all those things. So we're still having to do all those bits and pieces as well as manage the staff, as well as manage the students. Like, I didn't know what a Zoom was. I will never conclude. And then so I've had to, I've had to invest in so much stuff and time to teach myself because yeah. I, a bit of tech phobia, like Zoom, oh, don't, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to have to use that. What's a webcam? Crap, how am I going to get a webcam? All this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So yeah, people don't see that us as business you know, business owners, martial arts instructors, owners, how much time and effort and uh, resources that we've had to actually put in when yeah. re- realistically we've lost a third of our income, you know, but yet yeah. we still have, to, still have to keep everything going. Yeah, and that's like you say, I, uh, I remember, again, I hadn't heard of Zoom. Um, I did know what a webcam was, but I got to the gym and then people go and use Zoom and do this and I'm like, we got it set up and then like Jenny's like standing next to me go people are trying to log in and I'm like I don't know how to accept them in like people are asking for passwords I'm like well where did the bloody password come from I didn't want one and you just do you know what I mean and then you're getting people going I can't log in you've sent me the wrong link and I'm like but I sent you four links which one are you click on and they're like well I don't know and I'm like well I don't bloody know <laughs> so yeah and so, and it's almost trying to you know, you're trying to educate yourself your team then the parents then the kids that this is going to work and it's like and you're sitting there at the, at the top of the tree thinking but i don't even know how the bloody make the thing work so i've got to try and convince everybody else how to get it to yeah. work and they're going oh the sound's not working i've got you on the tv but on the phone but i can hear you twice and you're like uh mute where's the banner <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, but it's been good you know a, a few learning curves so no i enjoy it yeah, and I've strangely really enjoyed it as well. So, um, which is good. And like, so hopefully, we're, well, I would say hopefully, we are now coming out the other side. Um, and sixth of July, we're talking. We'll get to that bit in a minute. Um, yeah, let's. I'm going to write that before I forget. I've had a few people trying to call me. So yeah, let's talk about date at the end. Yeah. Um, so be honest. I've been honest. I know you've been honest. What's your thoughts on the coronavirus? Yeah, I think it's been blown way out of proportion. Um, I've got a one of my best mates is a paramedic, frontline paramedic, and he says it's been blown way out of proportion. Um, I've got another friend who is a nurse who says it's not been blown out of proportion. It's actually been quite uh, full on. Um, I've got another guy who works in ER a nurse in the ER, he says it has been blown way out of proportion. You know, I think, you know, um, seeing these people get really, really ill and all that kind of stuff, I sit and think, geez, lucky that's not us. Um, yeah. I wonder, I, you know, I, uh, it's all hindsight's a great thing. I wonder what would have happened if we had not locked down, how many people would have caught the bad one. or Herd immunity. Yeah, you know, you know, right from the beginning. Is yeah, and it's that that dilemma of is the moral compass of so many so you know so many people losing their jobs and the and the country losing billions and the business is going bankrupt versus so many people losing their lives. You know, for the yeah. for the one family that might lose two members, who cares about the country and the finances? They've lost two members of their family, so and they're irreplaceable, and money doesn't make any sense. Then you've got other people who are not losing anything but have completely lost their businesses and then they're now bankrupt and maybe have committed suicide because their mental health because of you know they've they've lost everything. No matter how thin you slice it, there's always two sides to the story. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think. Do I think we needed to shut down? Yeah, just to get everyone's minds at ease. Do I think we need to be still shut down? No. Um, do I think that we need to social distance a little? Do I think we need to social distance as much as we are? No. Do you, I think, you know, um, has it been a pain in the bum? Absolutely. But 
like you say, it's 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 not much we can do about it because there was a virus and it's the government's issue. And unfortunately, me being one of them, we all watch the news. We are all on Facebook. We're all on you know, social media and we get fed the fear mongering and the negativity and all that kind of stuff. And we all buy into it, you know? And how have you found, and we've spoke about this many, many times as a rule, your members, how have they found it now? So now you're saying, right, we're opening back up. We've done a test run and so on. You know, I've done my, my six people in a class times three. As we spoke about on the course this morning, you've got people that are worried about sending their kids back to school. I've stuck a post up saying, look, we're thinking about doing a a summer camp. I've had over 20 messages going, sign me up. So you've got people going, they're not going to go to school. Then you've got people going, sign my kid up for a summer camp. So how have your members found their thoughts on you reopening? I think it's exactly the same. We did a poll a couple of weeks ago. and most were like, yep, let's get this straight, straight back into it. And you're going to have the odd few that are like, oh, what happens if we don't want to send the kids back yet? And it's just like, don't worry, we'll still be on Zoom or we're going to stream the classes or anything like that at all. I think opening is the number one thing and in, in, in the, the, the key to, to us and to you guys getting back to some form of normality is as, as quick as possible but also allowing those other people that don't want to come back an option to be able to to still train on Zoom or whatever because there is going to be those people who are who are worried you know you might have that one kid or that one family who are you know severe asthmatics or severe something who are right on the you know the uh the the border that risk list yeah, that's it. At risk yeah. thing. So, yeah, and I and I think I I can see that. So I think having both options, but for the majority, everyone is keen and set, ready to go. But you do have that small minority that are a little bit worried. I think still. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at the queues at McDonald's and Sports Direct and Primark, haven't you? Like, people want to get back to normal. People, you know, people are starting to change their mindset, and it's not that they don't care. Of course, they care. It's just that the mindset's changing now, and people are ready to sort of crack back on i think yeah um, I, I again and, and, it's, and it's like we you know, things like starting back get back into classes as per normal but you eliminate like clinch work sparring all those types of things where there's that physical contact you can still hit the badge you can still do your sparring you can still do your techniques you can still do your carters you know you can still work with your family doing partner drills and stuff like that as far as sparring and clinch work that i think that's going to be a few weeks, then a few weeks, then a few weeks behind that, I think. So, you know, I think everyone understands that, but I think a lot of people are missing that. They want to get back into the gym. They want to get back into the dojo. Like, uh, you know, I want to go back to the gym. I I can work out and lift weights and stuff like that, but it's not the same as driving to the gym, lifting some weights, and then driving home. It's just not the same. Yeah. And, again, when you go to the gym, it – puts you in the mindset of I'm going to the gym to do gym work. Um, That's why I've created my little office that I'm I'm actually in my office at the moment, but it's a mess, hence why you're looking at my gym. Um, But I go to my office now to do work because if I sit on the sofa, I get distracted and I don't work. Yep, yep, same. Um, And again, like I said at the beginning, my thoughts are 100% in line with Richard's on this. Um, On every... Everything that you've mentioned, I agree with 100%. So there's no point giving me my thoughts because exactly what you just said. So fair play. Um, Do you have a battle plan of opening back up? Yeah, and I think you and I have spoken about this, how important this is, you know. Absolutely. So all of my guy, all of my instructors, all of my team, we've we've got the COVID instructor certificates. So we've done all the COVID courses. You know, we have hand sanitation stations at the front door. Things like uh, not allowing um, uh, spectators in, you know, not allow, you know, like one class leaves and then the next class comes in, having spaces in between each class. So not having spectators. So you haven't got large, you know, you know, it's like before you would have that class finish, that class start, the parents of both sets of people there and your reception area has got like sixty people. Yes, it's got 60 people and then they come off and then they go on and it's like absolute mess. And so, 
what we're going to do is things like, yeah, no parents in. You, you know, an instructor will come to the front door, escort the kids in or the even the adults in. You know, do your hands, fantastic, in you go. Do your hands, fantastic, in you go. Do your hands, fantastic, in you go. So by the front door, we've got all that sort of stuff. And then at the end of class, we'll, we'll take them out. I think to have all those things in place, things like the toilets, making sure that, you know, ideally no one will use the toilet because that's another touch point. But, yeah. you know, we've got the reception staff. They're going to clean those toilets every time someone's been in. Um, you know, like every time we use the bags, we're, we're sort of spraying down and stuff like that. So definitely we have plans in place. Um, and even because we, we use uh, sports centres like summer fields and stuff like that as well. So we're even going to have those plans in place, even though we're in a leisure centre rather than our full-time gym. So we yeah. have all those bits and pieces. I think you have to, otherwise you, you're, start, you're starting blind. Yeah, no. Well, and again, we're exactly 100% in line with what you've just said, the in and out of the parents, um, spaces between the classes, hand um, stations and so on. And that's it. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're like, because we've got a, a male and female changing rooms, and we're just going to close those because yeah. you know it's like you got eight lads all sitting there with their shirts off um, in the yeah. changing rooms, like this close to each other. Like, oh, and just like, yeah, that ain't happening, boys. You know, and it's just like, yeah, you come in your gear and you leave in your gear. Changing rooms are closed. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, all our chairs have moved, so all our seating's gone and packed up at the back, so there won't be any place, because we've got quite a large reception. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of closed, certainly for the first month. Yeah, I think um, I think for July, you know, July, yeah. wait, wait and see what happens in August and stuff like that, I, I think is an important thing. Come September, I think we'll be back to normal anyway, but I think yeah. at first, just taking those small precautions is, is, is an absolute must. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about member safety. I mean, we've kind of just covered that off. Obviously, our our first concern for our members is their safety and our safety as well. Um, and so about two weeks ago, when we started talking about reopening, everyone was, or a lot of people were like, you can't open, it's dangerous, think about your member safety. And it's like, well, do you still go to Tesco's? Because you don't wash your hands there. There's 20,000 people a day going to Tesco's, touching trolleys and fridges. Does everyone clean? Like, do the fridges get cleaned every time someone touches it? No. Like, they're saying we can't sell water in the gym, but you can go to Tesco's and touch whatever you want. Like, the gym is going to be one of the cleanest places. It's going to be cleaner than a school. It's going to be cleaner than a nursery. Definitely cleaner than Tesco's. And yet, people are saying... Yeah, but, you know, you might sweat on the floor. You'll have your own little zone. It will get cleaned. And the thing is as well, and you can't catch COVID from sweat off the floor onto your foot unless you you fall down and lick it up. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Do do not do that in your classes. (laughs) And if someone's doing that, kick them out anyway. It's just like, you don't deserve to be in here. Stop licking the floor. Get out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, little things like so. Yeah, yeah, we we spraying, we're wiping everything down, all the touch points and stuff like that. What we're yeah. actually looking at doing is our fridge to put behind reception. Yeah. So uh, it's only the reception staff that are touching the fridge door and getting yeah. the drink out, rather than people always touching that. Um, and opening and then reaching for the back one and touching seven on the way out or something rather like yeah. that. Um, yeah, that's exactly so, what we're doing. Exactly what yeah. we're doing. So we're going to do, we, we're looking at doing that. Things like, because we've got crisps and stuff like that and a microwave generally in reception, probably put that away. Yeah. Um, just, uh, j- just things like that. You don't want seven. But then again, no one's going to be really using the microwave anyway because there's not going to be any parents or anything yeah. like that hanging about. So... Yeah. Those types of things, really. We might actually get some work done in reception for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to have a coffee with such and such. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, yeah, we've covered that off. Uh, so, I, when, when I do a, a podcast or a, a Zoom, I always say to my guests, like, is there anything you want to ask me? Um, okay. Let me think. Let me think. What would be, all right, I've just come up from. What would be your best ever fight that you that you have had, win or loss, and why? Oh, okay. So, I'm glad you are. Actually, this is really random. Uh, so, my best ever fight 
I lost. And it was against, it was against Isha Ironmike. Do you know the man? He's quite well known, one of Colin Payne's boys. Um, I was 17 and he was uh, 24, I think. 25, 24, 25. This was back in the days when kids were allowed to fight adults. And um, I went up to the casino rooms for Colin Payne's combat zone. So really good friends with Colin. And I was meant to be fighting someone else. So I trained and prepped for um, a, a shorter guy, Rob. Um, and I remember Isha, I mean... He, he sold about 160 tickets, just to give you an idea of how popular this guy is. Uh, we're talking six foot two, no one shout at me, blacker than black. Like he disappeared in a dark room. Dreads, tribal scars. I mean, this man was a predator Zulu warrior. Okay, so he's walked in, shades on, hand wraps on, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'd actually sold quite a lot of tickets. I'd sold 30 tickets for this fight. So for me, that was a lot back in the day. And everyone's like, who is that? He looked like a predator walking around. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Isha. He's a monster. He's dangerous. He's knocked out four of the last five people that he's fought. He is so dangerous. And then we've gone to the weigh-in and everyone's weighed in. And Colin's like, got a bit of a problem, Carl. I was like, what's that? He's like, Rob's not fighting. I'm like, okay. He said, but Isha's opponent's not turned up. So you're fighting Isha. And I'm like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> there's me telling everyone that he's this this dark destroyer and um i looked at my instructor paul and i said what do you think and he said uh you, he said we've we've tuned you to fight an army he said i have faith in you and whether he was just saying that because we'd sold tickets wanted me to fight or no i don't know but i that's how i used to fight so a bit of a long story short i for four hours shit myself but was going, so my battle plan was don't get knocked out. He had knocked out everyone. Like everyone he fought, he was knocking them out. So my battle plan was don't get knocked out. Whatever happens, just survive the fight. Seemed like a good plan. So I've walked in, 30 people scream, nice and noisy. Local lad, Isha, his music comes on. Oh, it still gives me chills today. I can hear the entrance music. And um, it's, uh, do you hate me now? Do you hate me now? Like that. And all I could see was, uh, and again, this has not been racist, but I remember the, the, the room was pitch black and there was a light on him. And all I could see was his teeth and his eyes. And his eyes were like this. And I was just like, oh my God. And when he's walked in, the noise, the noise nearly knocked me over. I mean, it was like a, it was like a bomb going off. I was like, there was, he had sold all of them tickets. Plus he was local. There must've been six, 700 people screaming at him. So he's, he's walked in and, um, Oh, can I show you the photo? I might be able to show you the photo. Don't even know where my phone is. Oh, I might stick it on the end of here. Honestly, the man is a unit. Like, if God was to chisel a human being, he wouldn't have even made it that good then. And um, and I've got into the ring and I've sort of looked at him and I've gone... Because I'm only five foot six, do you know what I mean? So, in the fight, um, and again, Malcolm Martin amazing friend of mine one of the world's best commentators you can't really hear it in the commentary because it was done on vhs back in the days but you can hear him saying like and malcolm's really honest in the commentary he's going well i know carl he's pretty good but isha he's strong he's dangerous he's knocked everyone out and they've got a really good ref in the ring marty cox so if carl has any problems marty will be there to, to save him and basically wrote me off for about two minutes and then Isha come out trying to kill me, like low kicks, kicking me in the hip, trying to take my head off. And I was just like, oh, 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 oh. So he battered me for the first round. And I threw about four punches in round one because I was just in defense mode. And then I got back to corner and my, and my instructor was like, are you hurt? I'm like, no. Nope. He said, are you scared now? I'm like, no. Nope. He said, well, stop standing fucking still and hit him back. So throughout the fight I started to throw shots and basically what I'd, what I'd done is I let him come in unload and I was just like that, right bang like that, and I've just clubbered him and I hit him with his left hook and I rocked him and you hear Colin go um, you hear Malcolm sort of go Isha's coming again he's hurting him he's got him on oh Cole's just hit. oh Isha didn't like that and that was the turning point um, and it was a split decision and I lost um a lot of people said that it was a draw or he definitely won round one. 
draw round two, maybe I won round three. It was a close fight. No one really won it. And this is what I say to my fighters all the time. People go, oh, you won it, you won it. Because they've only watched you fight, not the fight. I didn't win. I just didn't lose. So, you know. Um, so I'll take the loss. Um, and then, like, there's a photo of like him hugging me and I look like a child against him. And... Um, he said to me, he said, bruv, like, that's the toughest fight I've had. You really hit hard. I only hit him about five times. <laughs> um, and then he went on after that. He won another fight, won a British title. He then fought a German and knocked him out in seven seconds. Like, he went on and just kept knocking people out. So, and we're still good friends now and we talk, and he's still a unit now. Um, like, he is a man mountain of a human. Give me, to see if I can... Um, I'll see if I can grab it, grab it quickly, see if I can do it. I'm going to test my uh, computer skills now. Isha, I, Mike. Um, he, honestly, he's so motivational. He's an absolute legend of a person. Um, and we still talk to this day. I, I met him last year at a show, um, and we still chat and get on. He runs his own club now and stuff. Um, right. If I stick that onto this screen here, and if I share my screen... Where is it? Let's see, how do I share my screen? I've done it a million times. There we go, share screen, desktop. Right, can you see my screen? That's the fella. I mean, I mean that's him now, obviously, but he basically looked like that in his 20s. Just not quite as heavy, but that's what he looked like. I mean, he's a really nice guy. I mean, you can see the sort of shape he's in. He's phenomenal. And um, I wonder if it's on his wall. So that's what he looked like. So this is what he looked like when I fought him. Like that. Um, and somewhere there will be a photo of me and him together. I'm just going to see if I can find it for 20 seconds. If not, I'll, we'll come back to this meeting. But you, again, Isha, if you're watching this, I'll tag you in it when we finish, man. Like, he's a hero. He's a legend. Um, but yeah, like really motivational. Very strong fighter. Very driven. Um, so... <laughs> to simply answer your quick question. That was a good, you know, like you say, and I, and I think it's not. It's a nice lesson to take away, a lesson on resilience, uh, a lesson on, um, you know, you, you didn't win, but you didn't lose, but you, you stuck to your guns and you did your absolute best. And I think that is uh, yeah, a whole, whole honestly, what martial arts should be about. You might not win every single time, and it's like, you know, it's like you get some people into your dojo, into your gym now. They are never going to be very good, but they're going to be as good as they possibly can be. And it's their yeah. own personal victory. You know, it's like you, I, you go to some competitions and that kid that's always going to enter the competition and you know they're never going to, you know they're never going to place, but they're always there. They're always there because they just don't have that there. And I, and I think, you taking that resilience and that, you know, that lesson from that has probably served you longer, long term, just like, you know what, I was able to dig deep, bite down on my, on my gum shield and, and, and just hang in the game. And I think, and that's what's happened with Corona, to be able to yeah. dig deep, bite down in your gum shield and just stay, hang in the game and, and see what happens. Don't let Corona knock you out. Yeah. And that's, again, I mean, that's basically what we're battling for, isn't it? Is that resistance and that strength against what's coming we can't stop it we can't control it no one can they're doing their best to try and get a vaccine and bits and pieces and I understand this week they might have found a steroid that helps fight it but like it's a battle that we've got to take um and you can choose to kind of run away from it and hide um and again we, we have lost many people through it which is you know, like, extremely sad and no one wants to lose anyone but at the same point there comes to a point where you you've just got to go right Enough's enough. Enough is enough. I'm just sit, trying to see if I can find a photo of me and him because I, I literally look like a child against him. But um, too many photos on Facebook. <laughs> so, um, and that's probably one of... Thank, great question, by the way. Great question. And that, that kind of instantly took me back to being a child, a child, a, a late teen in, in my fight. So that's that really cool. I'm going to find that photo and I'm tagging you in it. Good man, I like it. <laughs> uh, what's the um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Mm. Tough one again. 
See, where do you start? <laughs> that's it. I, the number one rule for me, it's in my book. I grew up without a What's father. What's your book called? What's your book called? Uh, it's called The Perfect Ten. Cool. And for me, it's the 10 keys to happiness that I had to learn the hard way. That's the name of the book, The Perfect Ten, The 10 Keys to Happiness that I had to learn the hard way. I didn't have a father. Um, my older brother was a lot older than me. So I didn't really have anyone to teach me any lessons or anything like that at all or sort of say, no, don't do it that way, do it this way or anything like that. I would say probably rather than advice, the best thing that I ever learned or got taught or, sh or showed was goal setting. Mm -hmm. how, to, how, to, how to set goals, why to set goals, where, where you should set goals. Uh, I'd never, uh, I was 25 when I first got shown goal setting. No one had spoken to me about goals. No one had given me, spoken to me about dreams. No one had spoken to me about setting out a plan to achieve your, what you want or anything like that at all. No one had told me that there was a smart system to set goals or anything like that at all. No one, I, I had none of that. Um, and for me, having goals and, and uh, has probably been the one thing that has actually changed my life for the absolute better um, is because, like, yeah, we all want extra, but if you listen to talk to any athlete or any world-class athlete or any world-class business, they've all got goals and they've all got stepping stone goals to achieve what they ultimately want. And I, I didn't learn that. I didn't know any of that sort of stuff until I was 25. Um, and I, I, so I would say that has probably been the biggest advice, um, that I give. And, and, you know, in my chapter, it's, I think it's chapter four, uh, chapter four or chapter five, I think is, is, is about goal setting, you know, because it's all about, you know, you, you need to be able to, to, to take this on, um, you know, to, to actually get where you want to go. And I think that's where the belt system is good in kickboxing and karate because it's like you can set yourself a goal, oh, I want to be a yellow belt, I want to be an orange belt, I want to be a black belt, I want to be a third degree, I want to be, I want to compete or I don't want to compete or uh, I, I want to be able to at least survive three rounds or I want to be able to not get knocked out. So like you've given yourself a set goal to yeah. achieve without doing that. And I think sport... Uh, enables goal setting to be able to work really well. So I think that would be my number one thing, I think. Yeah, what about you? What about yourself? Well, I just want to kind of echo, echo what you said, because isn't it ironic? So from the age of 10, I started kickboxing. From the age of seven, I, I started doing karate. Um, and we were set goals then, our gradings. But we never saw it like that from a, from a personal point or a business point of view. Because well, I, I want to be a black belt, I want to be a British champion, and, and so on. So we we set these goals by our instructors, and we set these goals for ourselves. I want to win the fight. I don't want to get knocked out. But we've never, or I personally, until more so recently, started implementing having them goals in business. And that's exactly what you just said. And as you're saying, I was thinking we've known it our whole life. We just didn't implement it to other areas of our life. Exactly. And I think that's important. So when I was a carpenter, someone said to me, oh, what, what are your goals? Oh, well, I want to own my own business, own my own house, have a ghost car. But that, that was just like, well, that's what everyone has. You know, you just growing up in Australia as a carpenter, you know you're going to have a car, have a house, have a business, and then yeah. just, just, just live, <laughs> cruise through life and live and hopefully get that. But knowing that there was no plan to it, no no plan of action, no battle attack, no no sort of stepping stones, no sort of idea of actually how to achieve this or anything like that, because I'd never really had any advice or any mentors, um, yeah. which is another chapter of in my book, you know, on on how to achieve that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think definitely having that part of it is is important. I think would probably be my if that would be my number one advice if I was going to give someone. You know, learn about goal setting, learn how you can use that in primary school, secondary school, even with your kids at home. Um, yeah. let's, let's, let's set goals. Let's, let's set our achievements. Let's set well, let's, how to do that and how to, be, you know, how to do that you know, effectively, I think, is super important. Definitely. Really good advice. Really good advice. Good man. Um, again, for me, it's, it's pretty much the same. You know I only signed up to the Masterminds last month so I'm, I'm kind of new to the masterminding part of it um 
but one of my one of my key areas is try not to worry and I, I tell everyone else to do this brilliantly and I don't do it myself but don't worry about the things you can't control I can't control gravity I can't control the tax man I can't control coronavirus that but they're the things we worry about a lot of um, so having a better understanding of not getting so upset or stressed or worked out letting the anxiety build up with stuff that you can't control you can't control if your missus might be in a bad mood do you know what I mean like just simple little things sometimes obviously depend on what you've done <laughs> but you see my point there's things you just can't control and that's um, it I think uh, and I think letting letting that stuff you know like there's a book don't sweat the small stuff hmm. you know um and because and a lot, lot of the times you know, the majority of the stuff is small stuff. Yeah, you know, it is. It's funny. It's it's like you ask my wife Claire. I get more angry at a cord not working or a <laughs> the bloody the printer not working and smash the printer the pieces because it'll work one day, then not the next. But then if if we're in a car accident or, or, or something major happens, I'm very chilled. It's right. the small stuff that winds me up like that more than anything else. And, yeah. and that's my lesson to myself is, is learning how to not let that worry me and just you know, not control you really and just move on. Yeah, because it can be the little things that really grab hold, isn't it? Bigger picture and all that. <laughs> exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Um, right, let's, let's finish up on a, on a positive. Um, we, I mean, we've, we've talked about it all the way through, but confidence and mindset Obviously, we've had to implement a certain mindset. Um, and I think uh, myself, yourself, Colin Payne, and a few others, Gordon and a, a couple others, are the ones that are at the front of the spear, the tip of the spear, the front of the, the drive, the movement forward of going, right. I mean, I said two weeks ago, July 6th, that's my date. July 6th, I'm opening. And I know you've said the same, and I know a few others said the same. And... Most other people, oh, well, we don't know. Let's wait and see what happens and let's sit still. I'm saying to my members, I want to open July 6th. You don't have to come back. We're still going to be on Zoom. But do you want to come back? And 99% of them, I'm there with you. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you've, in a world of uncertainty, people are craving certainty. And so if we can give them certainty, we're on to a winner. Um talking about mindset and stuff like that, you know, growing up in Australia in the 70s and 80s, you know, mindset wasn't even, it wasn't even a word, you know. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, it's very, you know, I grew up in a very harsh sort of rural town, suburban, you know, uh, lifestyle. And there was no such thing as mindset and, you know, you just crack on and get on with it you know you know and, and that's it and i think the the beautiful thing about today's society is that we actually can recognize when people are struggling mentally they are struggling you know with anxieties you know i didn't even know anxiety was a word you know i didn't know any of these things growing up because i think it was a different generation back then you know, I think we've got a different generation of, of, of kids and parents that have gone through so many different changes and stuff like that. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit older than you, so it's a, it's a bit different. And um, I'm probably a lot older than you, actually. But <laughs> I, think, I don't think there's much between us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 50 this year. I'm 40 this year. There you go, 10 years. Hey, there you go. You, you don't look 50. Cheers, mate. I'll pray. There you go, Kicks martial arts. Get into martial arts. <laughs> and you're going to look young. <laughs> you're going to look like that. Um, and I think, but I think it's important because having that realization now, and I've been on a lot more, you know, with what you're doing with the confident thing with the kids, I think that's it. That's crucial. And I think yeah. recognizing that certain kids are struggling mentally, certain kids have anxiety, certain kids like that. I still struggle to recognize that. And I still struggle to um, empathise with that. My, my wife says I have zero empathy, you know, and, and, and I pretty much do. It's just like, oh, bloody get on with it. Come on, let's just get on with it, you know, and stuff like that. But I think it's important for me and everyone else as instructors, as in people in leadership, to empathise with people and but to try through martial arts and through personal development 
and through guidance help these people with that mental health and that positivity as much as we possibly can. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the vision I have when people talk about it is, you know, you're three years old, you've got your little bike with the stabilizers. And at some point you have to take the stabilizers off. And at some point you're going to fall over and you're going to cut your knee and you're going to cry. Do you take the bike home and give up? Or do you wipe them off, go back to the top of the hill, push them again? There, there has to be a little bit of tough love. There has to be that little bit. Otherwise, we don't grow, we don't build, we don't, you know, it's the building blocks of life. And some, like, again, I'm a bit more like you and, you know, a, a kid will come in and fall over and the mum might go, oh, he's falling over. I'm like, it'll be all right, get up. Get up, what are you crying for? Are you bleeding? Are you dead? No, nope. stand up, carry on. And they're like, oh, 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 that's a bit. I'm like, he's not dying. He fell over on a sponge floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and he's I still got his thing. teeth. He's fine. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. Yeah, you know, people talk about the snowflake generation and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just different parenting, and it's just different. You know, ex, you know, it's like as a parent, you want to obviously mollycoddle your children. You don't want anything to happen to them. But if you've had generations of mollycoddling, next thing you know, you've got got only model coddling. You've not got the you know, the, the, you know, like the, the days of farmers, you know, you don't see farmers' kids complaining because they're not on their iPad 10 hours a day. They're out, you know, milking cows or anything like that. And I think yeah. it just, it's just generational where we have gotten that little bit maybe softer, but also as parents we want to protect our kids because I remember as a kid, you know, you'd go out at like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, come home at 6 o'clock at night, and your mum and dad... Come home when it's dark. Yeah. That's it. And you'd, you'd eat, you'd drink out someone's tap, you'd eat the fruit or, you know, you'd go to someone's house for a sandwich. And there's you'd no way. trees. Exactly. And, and, and that's it. Now, I wouldn't let my daughter do that. There'd be absolutely no way help in hell that would do that because the world's a different place now. Yeah. yeah it's just different expectations. So yeah, I, I can, can accept that. And I think that's, that, that it definitely is. But the great thing is schools are good at recognising it now. I think clubs like us are, recognized, are good at recognising it now. And I, and I think yeah, even parents have that support now to be able to help their kids. Um, and we are in a position of influence mm -hmm. Um, that we can sort of help people along. I, I think it's a. I think martial arts is such a positive event and such a positive tool to be able to help people's mindsets um, and and help those things. I think more and more people should do it and 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 could potentially help with their mindset the more they do it. One hundred percent. And all this week, all this week, all the last three or four weeks, I'm getting more and more phone calls, more and more. Facebook messages asking, can my son and daughter come back? Can you have a word with them? Can you ring them? They're really struggling. And we're just talking about sitting at home. So like moving forwards, of course, me and you are going to say martial arts is the best thing in the world and you should all do it. But you should. It generally, yeah. And you've only got to look at the calls and messages we're getting from parents that are struggling um, with mindset, mentality, uh, confidence building and, and so on and so on. Um, so again... I just want to say thank you for your time. I think we've finished on that positive because that's a, that's a great place to finish. Of course, me and Rich are going to say that you've got to start martial arts because it's the best thing in the world, because it is. Um, you know, that's what I've got written on all my clothes and all our banners on our website. You know, it isn't just a sport. It is a way of life. It generally is. Um, and, it, you know, we generally care about it. So for the guys that have watched or listened, I hope, um, hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a little bit. I hope we might have covered some topics that maybe might help you going forward. If you want to get hold of Richard Canton, get hold of him at? Uh, you can get me on Facebook, Richard Canton, or email uh, richard at cantonmartialarts.org.uk or richard at the hyphen perfect hyphen 10 because if you're going to live a life, you might as well make it a perfect 10. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, if you're going to score in life, it's always the perfect 10. So check out my book, check out my Facebook page and websites and stuff like that. Um, anything like that, all it's all good. Fantastic. I mean, everyone knows how to get hold of me. Cold Daniel on Facebook, Hastings Kitboxing, or Hastings Kitboxing on Google, and you'll find us somewhere. So, thank you so much for your time, Richard. I really do appreciate it. I've learned a little bit more about you. It's been a good little chat. I'm just going to end the recording in a second. Uh, again, once again, guys, thank you for listening, watching. I hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, this is um, Kickstarter Confidence. It's not just a sport, it's a while.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's chat, have any questions or feedback for us, or would like to be on one of our podcasts, leave a review and we will happily get back to you. If you would like more details on how Hastings Kickboxing Academy can help you or a family member, find all our contact details in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to HKA's Kickstart Your Confidence podcast. And remember, it's not just a sport, it's a way of life. Thank you.